What up, what up, what up? Welcome back to another week of Between Two Posts. Kyle, alongside Everett, and uh, I got to say we're pretty excited as the hockey rumors for NHL returning are really heating up right now. How about you, Ev? Do you got any money on the line, Kyle, for games or Stanley Cup winners? Oh, man, I'm actually glad you brought that up. I don't currently know, but I don't know if you've seen like the, the puck line money and all that stuff right now. It's like New York. I, I don't want to throw out the number because I'm probably going to be wrong, but basically the Rangers have been heating up towards the end of the year. Obviously, um, everyone's had like three months off, and right now the the odds are very nice if they end up winning. So that that would be my team to pick right now. So it's funny you brought you know you mentioned New York and because I've been trying to figure it out, man. Like you go into the end of the season and you could tell what teams were hot, what teams were hurt, but now like everything's a blank slate, right? You got guys, you know, everyone's healthier. They should be, you know, God bless it. If there's no COVID and whatever in the locker room, but everyone should be healthy. It's a fresh start. Guys are going right into a training camp and then you're just jumping into a playoff bracket. It's basically tournament hockey, right? So how are they calculating the odds is my question, but midway through the year, me and my buddy, Pat, shout out Pat Rooney, um, we put money on the Arizona Coyotes and the Pittsburgh Penguins. The odds for the Penguins were like plus, what were they, like plus 100? The Oats yeah. were like plus plus 500. So This was if, at the start of the year or when? It was about halfway through the season. Um, to, to make playoffs? Or no, to, to win cup. To win the cup? It was only yeah. plus? Oh, wow. Yeah, so Pitt was the favorite, but now th- those lines have obviously changed if you make yeah. your bets today. But so I just I just pulled it up real quick. Basically, so the Rangers are plus eight thousand. <laughs> eight thousand. I mean, and obviously there's there's other teams that are higher. Right? Blackhawks are a thousand, um, or, or no, ten thousand. My bad. Blackhawks and Canadians are plus ten thousand. But the thing with the Rangers is that they've been like if you get if you look at them from like. January on, they've been a hot team. So to me, I mean, why why not take a risk on them? I mean, if if you got a couple hundred just lying around, throw it down, right? Well, exactly. And then you look at it, and so the, the Lightning are only plus six hundred. And to me, that's just why would you even do? I mean, it's so hard to. I feel like it's almost harder to win the cup as a as a high seed than it is to be just. You you got to sneak your way through there. <laughs> like when's when's the last time a a number one team in the league or number two team, you know, just made it look easy in playoffs. I mean, I don't, I mean, maybe Blackhawks and one of their runs, but. And then, I mean, you think about like teams like the Kings when they won it, you think about St. Louis, like you just got to climb back into it. And yeah. And why not, why not take a, you know, if you're betting, you're already probably not looking to play it safe. You're probably just looking to have some fun and make some money. That's what um, it's all about when I'm exactly. gambling. It's it's where the odds are at. Like I'm not trying to win a one on one payment. I want that. Exactly. Uh, I want to hit black like thirty and uh, go home big, right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, with that being said, though, something that we never really talk about, but I always reference all the time between us is memes. How about uh, how funny like Boston fans are just destroying the Maple Leafs guys? Have you seen all those? Uh, I don't know. Which one are you talking about? I, it's There's hundreds of them. I keep seeing memes about how like the, the Toronto Maple Leaf fans are excited to make the playoffs, but they know they're never going to beat the Boston Bruins. Oh, oh, yeah, I've seen – yeah, I know what you're talking about. They 
I mean, I feel like those are there every year, every single year when Toronto and Boston are in the playoffs, the memes come out. So I think it's, I think it's a lot of recycled stuff going on. Yeah. Recycled content. Get creative. Everybody out there, the listeners get creative with your memes. Yeah. Build something new. Um, I heard uh, from a friend of mine out in Arizona, uh, Bronson Moore plays for a ASU's club squad. Uh, he had some sightings of Austin Matthews and Freddie Anderson just uh, kind of palling around Scottsdale. Yeah, honestly, I got to say, like, if I was a, a Euro and playing in the market over here, you know, and your buddies with Austin Matthews, like, why not go chill at his ridiculous crib and, like, paradise right now? You got nothing else to do, and I'm sure they're hitting up the ice, too, behind closed doors, so. Hitting up the ice, might sneak into a private uh, pool party out there. Hanging out with Justin Bieber. Beebs is him and Beebs chilling, talking mustache stuff, you know? Probably, yeah. Uh, Who I don't know. Uh, Probably some some secret stuff going on out there. (laughs) You make it sound kind of scary, Cal. Have you run into uh, any more players down uh, wheeling around Tampa Bay? Uh, I mean, I'm trying to think. We've seen a couple guys more so trying to get into rinks and stuff as of lately. Guys are starting to train again. I think there's less uh, downtown rollerblading going on right now and more. Obviously, NHL teams have started their six-man practices, so I think uh, they've kind of toned down the outdoor stuff. So roller hockey's dead again, huh? Yeah, yeah, unfortunately. But, but the roller hockey indoor league is starting up again this week. So that's great news. Here we go. Uh, you know, first week in three months now that we won't have to play on the tennis court and get yelled at by some, uh, retired folks. So is, uh, are you and Chris going to play in that together? Uh, I am. I don't know if he's gonna, there's a couple, uh, actually a couple of USHL and D one guys that are playing in our league. So it's a pretty sick league. Man, you, gotta, you sound like every other beer leaguer I talk to. Yeah, we got some retired college guys. We got no, some guys no, that play pro. No, for for roller though. Still, like, um, like draft, like guys drafted for, for ice that play roller that are like disgusting. See, I feel like it's different for ice hockey because, like, you know, you know how beer league is in ice hockey, but rollers, rollers, a different animal. <laughs> I like it's okay. You don't want to get into it. I totally understand. Yeah, roller hockey is a completely different beast. But with that being said, um, we got a pretty cool guest. He goes by the name of Miska Hunter. Miska hails from the beautiful, and uh, he calls it God's country, Minnesota. Um, he had some uh, pretty cool stories to tell. How about him? I mean, I'm sure you connected well with it, but him and his dad being able to paint masks together isn't that sweet? Yeah, it was a. Uh, actually a really cool interview especially for me to kind of talk to him his dad's obviously a pretty well-known painter Um, I actually had no clue that he got involved in some of the paintings and then also just to hear a story about going through NTDP USHL BC just you know kind of being a a journeyman uh, as a goaltender which I feel like a a lot of us are a little too familiar with that but um, it's it's cool (laughs) to hear the process and what he's gone through and you know, for him to tell kids his advice, it's uh, some pretty good stuff. And I f- always forget this, but you were from Minnesota. Have, have you 
had a chance to go to the state fair when you were living there? Because I'm not sure how long you were actually there. Yeah, I think we talked to him a little bit about it. It was uh, him or Shepard that we talked about it and the cookies and all that stuff. So, yeah, that's not, I like. I'm dying to go to that, man. Obviously, it's not going to happen this year, but. If there's uh, one reason to travel to Minnesota in the summer, it sounds like it's going to be the state fair and then all the lakes and just hanging out with the boys, right? Yeah. Maybe catch a little beauty league while you're there, huh? A couple two-pad stacks, a couple big yeah, windows from Hunter yeah. Miska. <laughs> so we'll, uh, we'll send it over and uh, see you guys soon. Standing at a handsome six foot one inches, hailing from North Branch, Minnesota in the great state of hockey, Hunter Miska! Welcome to the pod, buddy. How's it going? It's good, man. It's good. Just uh, we're keeping her going, staying happy, um, keeping it light, trying to get outside as much as I can. How about you? Same here. Just uh, trying to enjoy the days with the weather, but uh, today's a little bit colder and been snowing, so uh, last couple of days have been a little warmer, so I've been able to get out and hitting up the mountain bikes with my uh, with my fiance and trying to get a little uh, workout going oh you're a big mountain biking guy huh yeah I, I like to get out and uh check it out and hit up some trails uh most of the time we just kind of rip around on the street though and stay stay pretty simple on the tar yeah I, I was gonna say you probably don't get too too uh too many good trails out in minnesota because you don't have the hills right exactly. until you might get north uh but we found out grace is a big mountain bike guy too maybe you guys should hit some Hit some mountains up in the off season, huh? <laughs> That'd be awesome. <laughs> um, but yeah, we were just talking to Shep, and he said it's snowing up there. Obviously, he's a ways north in Minnesota, um, but he said, yeah, they got uh, they got snow squalls blowing through right now, so that's pretty gross. Yeah, we're we're in about the same. He's he's only a few hours north of me, so it's not too too much farther. Now I want to jump right into it because we already asked him about the story, but uh, it sounds like Shep uh, owes you a set of golf clubs, huh? <laughs> yeah uh i kind of forgot about that but yeah he, he got it the worst of it too his mask got stolen but i guess i think he found it though uh laying in the parking lot but yeah my golf clubs got stolen out of the back of his car when we were freshmen uh i think it was down in the city as he was down there and uh my, yeah my golf clubs got stolen and i think all this softball stuff got stolen too and then along with this along with this goalie mask yeah, he uh, apparently when they made off with everything, they were carrying the mask and realized they didn't need it, so they just kind of dropped it in a parking lot. <laughs> um, but yeah, he uh, he kind of justified it. He's like, "Well, I think after he signed, he has a uh, he has the just or the means to buy his own clubs." And I go, "Oh, that's fair." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just I just went out and bought a used pair. I'm not super big into golfing, so just as long as I have a a decent pair that can get me through, uh, I'm okay. Well, you signed with with Arizona, and I'm guessing golfing's pretty big down there, isn't it? Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, it was nice. I lived on a course my first year, and uh, Kaylee and I went out almost every day uh, after dinner. We'd go out and golf the four holes that went around our house because it it just like kind of wrapped around. So I'd go walk out my backyard and hit up hole five, and then I'd I'd rip up to uh, I can't remember which other one, but it just wrapped around my whole house. And then once we got back to our hole, we would just walk back up the back up the hill and back into our yard. It was kind of nice. That's yeah. awesome, man. Must be tough living in Arizona for hockey. <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> it was uh, it was a good experience down there. I love I love the weather, and and it was a it was a great place to live for sure. Well, after being in Penticton, Dubuque, and then Duluth, 
you definitely earned some time away from the snow through the winter, eh? <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, it, it was nice, but I actually really enjoy having the winter. I think uh, I think I'd prefer to have that. I, I like the season. I like the seasons of change, and winter's by far my favorite month, just because I enjoy snow and stuff. So I don't mind it. See, you're you're such a true good Minnesota boy. That's such a Minnesota thing. <laughs> <laughs> Scottish country, baby. Absolutely. Um, now, you mentioned Kaylee went out to uh, Arizona with you. Have you guys been fortunate enough to kind of where she can travel and live with you every team you played at so far? Yeah, so she finished college when I was, uh, I think when I was in Duluth. I think she graduated like halfway through that year. So she basically came up every single weekend uh, when we had home games. And then when I moved to Arizona, she came with me. I think she moved out in January of that my first year. And then she has been with me ever since. So yeah, it's it's nice to have her uh have her with me. It's she's awesome. She's a good cook and keeps the house nice and clean. And it's obviously nice to have uh, have her with me because there's a lot of downtime in pro hockey compared to compared to school and stuff. So it's nice to be able to do stuff and, and have her with me. That's oh, that's yeah. awesome, man. But every team you get to, you probably basically turn into one of the married guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Well, after the summer, I will be one. So, congratulations. That's awesome. Yeah, thank you. Say, having having someone to cook for you is huge, though. I can't even. I mean, I think I've told that before. My my cooking specialty ends at like putting pop tarts in a toaster. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She, she's always got some, she's got all these cookbooks. So she's kind of trying out new stuff here every once in a while when we got, when we get sick of the, the original stuff that we normally have, but yeah, she, she's awesome. Now yeah. you're infamously one of those few guys that are still using the 7,000 glove. Why is that Hunter? I don't know. I, I love it. I just can't get out of it. I've, I've tried, I don't know, a couple pairs of, of gloves and I just can't seem to, to get away from it. I started, that was my, I guess that was my pretty much my first glove. Uh, when I was in high school, I was lucky enough to wear Backstrom's gear because my dad painted his mask and that, that was the gear I got for, uh, for my high school year. My first year playing goalie, I was using Harding's pads with Backstrom's gloves and, uh, or no, sorry. Harding's pat, yeah, Baxter's gloves, and uh, he had that the kipper spec, and and I just fell in love with it. It was like a like a baseball mitt feel, and I really liked how broken in it was compared to anything I've I've worn before, and I just can't get can't get rid of it. <laughs> That's too funny, man. And it, there's nothing wrong with it as long as you like it and you're playing well. We'll keep making it for you, but. Uh, yeah. Berkey did tell me, yeah, that was a pretty wild story because your dad is obviously a mask painter. Um, but your first set of gear was a pretty nice set of gear from those guys in the wild. And then yeah, I was, I was pretty fortunate. <laughs> that was when you started playing goalie when you were 15, Berkey told me, is that right? Yeah. Fr- freshman year of high school. So it might've been 14 when I officially started. Um, but yeah, I fr- started my freshman year of high school. Uh, I played forward before uh, my parents were divorced and I lived with my mom at the time and, she wouldn't. Uh, she wouldn't let me play goalie because she thought I was a better forward, which I didn't believe. But uh, she stuck with that and, and wouldn't let me ever play. But then uh, we had a meeting in in the summer, going into my freshman year with the with the high school team, and, and met our new coach for the first time. And he was just going around the room asking guys who their positions were, and then he asked who the goalies were. And I just made my my decision in that room right there, and I just raised my hand. <laughs> 
I went home and I kind of kept it for my mom for, for a few days. And then once uh, our, our uh, summer high school camp started along, I kind of told her that, that I made the decision that I'm playing goalie and she was not happy at all. But I just stuck to my guns and, and followed, followed my dream of playing goaltender. <laughs> so you were playing both up until freshman year of high school? Basically, I, so I, when I was um, a squirt, yeah, my first year squirt, we didn't have a team goalie, so we rotated. And uh, I rotated with another, another kid on my team. We played, I think we played every three games we rotated, and I had so much fun playing it. And I, I thought I was pretty good, and my, and my dad always had gear for me from that point on out. I played forward every single year after that because my mom wouldn't let me play. But every time I went to my dad's house, he had the gear there for me. So I'd throw it out in the backyard and, and my siblings would shoot on me. And I kind of guess that's how I got the, the fundamentals down a little bit. And then uh, obviously I watched a lot of NHL hockey of uh, mostly Harding and Backstrom and kind of uh, viewed in on, on how they moved. So I, I would go in the backyard of my pond and, and try to try – to, uh, copy what they did now as a kid you were i've been told you're a pretty athletic kid though were you playing other sports too besides just hockey yeah i i was i was in a golf because i lived on the golf course at my dad's house so i did that once a week and then i actually played tennis in high school too along with baseball obviously hockey and then i actually raced bmx and motocross as well wow so you did it all yeah i I think my, my, my love was uh, riding bicycles and, and dirt bikes. I, I think that's a huge passion of mine that, that I love to watch. And obviously, I can't, uh, can't do it now with, with my contracts. But once my <laughs> hockey career is over, I'm for sure going to be getting back into motocross. So I'm trying to do the math here real quick. Back to you starting playing goalie freshman year. Two years later, you're in, on uh, NTDP. So can you maybe fill us in on that a little bit? Yeah, so uh, high school, I started my freshman year. I was starting varsity for, for my f- freshman and sophomore year, and I was lucky enough to, to catch eyes of uh, the U.S. NTDP uh, scouts and, or goalie coach, whoever was at my games, and, and uh, they were there at the right time, and, and I got pretty lucky to get the invite uh, to, to those uh, tryouts of the Top 40 camp, and Ended up making the squad, and it was a pretty cool opportunity to be able to make that after just two years playing goalie. It's kind of surreal. Definitely. I mean, so, at that age, when you went into it, like, were you thinking, hey, anyone can do this? This is pretty standard stuff? Or were you were you able to kind of soak in, like, wow, you know, I just jumped into this, and I'm already, you know, getting invited to a top 40-man camp? Yeah, I guess I didn't really, like, think about it too much. I was just kind of going with the flow. I... I, I knew I was going to be a little more elite from the way people were talking on my teams. And I, I heard a lot of stuff. So I thought maybe I had something going on, but I didn't know exactly what it was. And then once I started getting invited to the, like the U S uh, select 15 camp and, and all that stuff, I, I started to take it a little more serious because I didn't know what was going on. I just kind of started for fun just because I was sick and tired of playing forward. <laughs> um. Before you jumped into goal, were you scoring a lot of goals and everything? Like, were you pretty sick or? I was okay. I wasn't scoring a lot of goals. I think I was more trying to pass the puck to my brother for him to score all the goals. So <laughs> I think uh, I was more of a playmaker type guy, but I wasn't, I wasn't that great. I was fine. I was just an average hockey player. So at the end of the day, this is probably the best decision for you was when you were in your high school locker room meeting, 
Oh, for sure. I decision. <laughs> I believe so, but I'm not sure if my mom still thinks that. <laughs> <laughs> I well, mean, I, I, I think you're doing okay now. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> yeah, things are going all right. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was just such an, incre- uh, an incredible jump to go from you're playing goalie full time now for two years and you're going straight to the program. But it's obviously been a feat that's been uh, it's worked for you and uh, quite the accomplishment. But I heard from Berkey that in your 18s year, you were uh, maybe trying some other stuff. How did that go for you? Other gear? Uh, yeah, it was all right. Uh, <laughs> obviously, I came back to Vaughn. Um, I made the switch in, to a newer company. It just wasn't uh, wasn't exactly the field that I wanted. And I, obviously, I moved back to back to Vaughn that year. Towards the end of the, I think when we went to 18 for the Sochi trip or whatever, uh, I wasn't uh, able to get a new set of gear in time. But I, just, I obviously my my glove was the biggest thing. I can't get away from that that hyper spec. <laughs> and then the pads are pads are good too, but. Obviously, the breakdown during the year and with a lot of practice that you do at the program, you need a couple sets of pads just because they get soft so quick. Yeah, that's uh, Berkey might have exaggerated it, but he phrased it as you were basically begging to get that V1 glove back. Oh, yeah, I, I begged <laughs> for sure. And, and uh, I, I remember going to the rink one day, and, and my goalie coach, Michael Ayers, at the time was he was came down to the locker room and he gave me a box and he said, here's a surprise for you. And I had no idea what it was. And I opened it up and it was my, my caper spec love back. And I, ever since then, I, I've never, uh, never got out of it. That's awesome, man. I mean, it, like I said, it works, you're getting it done and you don't have any issues. So it's great. Yeah, exactly. So I, I love it. <laughs> That's awesome. Now, you know, when you look at your resume, um, after you played at the program, you had a few more years of juniors, which obviously has aided in your development as a goalie, but you know, I could be wrong, but I'm sure going through that, you had to have some mental toughness to keep pushing through coming from the program and then going back to like, you know, the BC and then the USHL, you know, what was that like? Or did you really even have any adversity? Maybe it was an easy, you know, this was the route you wanted to go. Yeah, no, I, obviously I had adversity. Every, every goaltender goes through adversity in their career. It's not just going to be an easy, easy sale. Uh, my, my years at the program, my first year was great. I, I was basically starting a lot of the games and then my second year Dumco came in and took a lot of my playing time, which, which, uh, which stunk for me, but it also helped me with, uh, get lighting, a lighting fire under my butt to start kind of working harder and, and wanting to achieve my dreams and goals. I think that was a big turning point in my career when that happened because uh, I, I never really had that type of adversity of not playing a lot. So that, that was a big difference in my mentality and everything. So that was a tough, tough year for me, my 18 year. And then uh, once I, I was done with the, with the program, I got drafted by Green Bay expecting to play in the USHL right away after. But that didn't end up happening, so I I was called by Penticton in the BCHL, and I'm really really happy with the decision that I went up there. It was kind of a a little risk because I didn't know what I was expecting. I've been playing in the USHL for the last two years with the program, and then going up to the BCHL, I kind of I didn't know much about it, but I heard it was more of an offensive league, and I didn't really know what to expect. And I was kind of risking it because it was kind of a make or break in my career. Because if I went up there and did really good, then good things could come. But if I also went up there and did not do well, then that could have been the end of my career. So I did that and went up there and had two successful years uh, playing up there. And and it was super fun uh, playing in Canada. It's 
they're so passionate about their hockey, which is awesome to play in front of and getting lucky with good billet families. And then uh, after my years in Penticton, I moved down the back to the OSHL um, into Dubuque, which was a fantastic hockey town in the OSHL. Uh, I really enjoyed it there. I got lucky again with fantastic billets and, and uh, the whole staff of the organization was first class. And I got back to uh, reignite with my goalie coach, Matt Millar, who was kind of the first guy who, who found me in net. And uh, he, he, he's an absolute beauty. So, and then after that year, I went, went to Duluth. No, that's awesome. So what, what was it like playing in uh, British Columbia? Because I've heard it's beautiful out there. Oh, it's gorgeous. I actually went back there last year to to visit my billet family for the first time since I left. And it, it just makes you realize how how beautiful the world is. Go, going to explore because I, I was there for two years and then hadn't gone back for, for a few. And then once I went back there, I really appreciated uh, everything up about it up there. It's just gorgeous. They got the Lake Okanagan out there. The The mountains are just absolutely beautiful and uh my billets have a have a, a great house too that's awesome uh up up on top of the mountain so you get a, a really nice view with the with the pool and stuff and obviously uh Penticton's a great a great city and there's a lot of stuff to do there it's funny you brought that up Kyle because um as of you know most recent Adam Schill was another program kid who went and he kind of followed your pathway he went up to Penticton and I got to see, you know, firsthand through his social media and everything, Instagram, like the views in the mountains, like you said, are just, it's unreal. It's a whole nother world up there. Yeah, for sure it is. It's, it's awesome. And I think if guys get the opportunity to play up there, I think they should for sure uh, take advantage of it. Absolutely. Um, now, you went to UMD, you did a year there, and then uh, obviously some offers popped up. Um what was kind of the decision process for you? Did you just feel you were ready to go pro or were you kind of itching to get into that next level? I don't think I was itching to get into the next level. I think I, I, I felt that I did well enough in that league where I was ready to move on to the next level. And, and I kind of did that with all of my, with my whole career. I wanted to make sure I'm ready at the next level and that I have to dominate the league that I'm in before I can before I can move up. And that's why uh, in juniors, it took me a little bit longer because I was so fresh into the position. I wanted to to mature and get that experience. And then once I went to school, I, I thought I did that in my first year. And, and I had a, f- had a few offers under the table there that, uh, that I wanted to take advantage of because I thought, I thought I earned it. And uh, I was going through a little bit of tough time at the time with my dad uh, getting his cancer. And I didn't know what was going to be going on with that. So who knows what have happened. And I, I wanted to take the chance of going pro so he could see me with uh, playing professional because I, I had no idea what the severity of his, of his cancer was and, and what was going to happen. So that was kind of a, a part in it too, but mostly I, I felt that I was ready to move on. Now you, you brought up your dad, which I wanted to ask because we, uh, you have the special ribbon embroidered on the side of your pads, right? Yep. Um, that's obviously for your dad. Uh, when you went to, you know, the Arizona and you were playing in Tucson, was that kind of emotional at that point where your dad was getting it, you know, he had the chance to see you play pro hockey and everything like that? Yeah, it was great. It was super cool to, to be able to have him come finally see me play. Uh, obviously when I was at Duluth, I'm playing in my home state. So he was coming to every game and, and then all of a sudden a week before playoffs start, he uh i get the call that that he had cancer and had surgery and and was going into uh 
his chemo and radiation. It was a super difficult time for me, especially uh, at the most important time of the year in hockey. That was another big adversity thing that, uh, that I went through. And it was crazy, crazy times. And uh, it really makes you appreciate life. And, and uh, you can tell with when people are going through the same situation that I, I went through the same. So I can kind of be there for some guys to, to help them up because I've been through that, that situation. And, and it's not easy. So, um, I, I ended up getting his, his cancer ribbon embroidered on the side of my pads just to obviously for my dad and, and for, to remember every time I strap on my pads that, that I, I can, I can play and fight hard for, for my dad. And obviously other people who play cancer that don't get the opportunity to do things that I've been able to, to accomplish and stuff. So it's just nice to see every day and it makes you want, want to work because obviously there's people that, that would do anything to be in your shoes. Absolutely. And I think you phrased that perfectly. Now, I don't really want to put you on the spot, but if we could, uh, what would be like one piece of advice? Because I know there's a lot of families that go through that. When I was a senior in high school and I was playing, my dad ended up getting a throat cancer. But what would be one piece of advice you could give to kids going through a situation like that? Yeah, just try to t- take the positive out of the negative and, and, and be super strong. Um, I think that's something that helped me through is just having a positive attitude every day and, and having the courage to go on the ice and work your hardest and, and do whatever you could to, to make you happy and, and hopefully do something that can make your dad pr- proud. And obviously when I was playing, I was going through those big games and, and winning those games. I think that really helped me with, uh, with my teammates too. They were, they were super good on, on helping me get through the situation and obviously winning games and big games and uh, was obviously helping me. And, and it was good, positive energy going to my dad too, because he knew I was doing well uh, during the situation. So uh, I think just trying to, trying to be positive and, and uh, I don't know, I, I, it was, it's a hard question. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, it's nothing, it's not an easy thing to address, but I think you hit it on the head where, you know, you got to take, you got to see everything and find the silver lining, right? Because you can't dwell on the negative because the people around you are, you know, when your dad's in that situation or my dad, they want to see the happiness. They feed off that. That gives them that positive energy to wake up every day and go through, you know, the radiation and chemo. So when you are able to bring good vibes and you have a positive attitude to things, it helps them. It aids them in creating a positive outlook for themselves as well. I think you hit it on the head. Yeah, so did you. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say back to uh, the pads, you've had some pretty sweet setups over the air through uh, Penticton and then obviously at umd with the uh the gold base and and then even in pro what's been your favorite set i uh i don't know i i like both of those penticton and my penticton pads and my duluth ones i, I don't know which one i like better uh i would think my my new mountain pads are kind of my favorite but i don't i don't know i i, I don't know I, it's too hard but i can really i'm a big fan of the icebergs i i think you can't go wrong with that no matter what color font you do with those those always turn out pretty nasty but i don't know i i don't think i'd be able to pick i i think those three are pretty even i i try to go pretty hard on my gear every year and and make it look good dude the mountains are so sick in colorado <laughs> yeah those that, that turned yeah those turned out really nice i'm really happy with with how they look and you got to give it the tom brady answer the the next one <laughs> what's that <laughs> like what's 
uh, people ask him like, what's his favorite ring? He goes the next one. So what's oh yeah, <laughs> the next yeah, one? <laughs> yeah for sure. I'm not. Sure. I'm not. Sure. I've had a couple of ideas what I want to do next. It depends on on what happens with uh, with my contract with Colorado. Hopefully, I can go back. I'm. I really enjoyed my my year there, and I'd love to to go back there. But my if I do, and hopefully I do, I, I'd like to maybe do a silver base. Uh, yeah. I think that'd be kind of sick, but otherwise keep my mountain design and maybe change a couple color fonts to it. Yeah. The, uh, when I saw those getting done up and I asked, I was like, are these actually going to go to someone in Colorado system? And Berkey told me, no, like Misk is getting these. I go, these are disgusting. <laughs> so that was awesome. Um, but you've played now in two pro organizations, obviously most recently with Colorado. Um, now you're on a bit of a heater this year. Is that you just kind of settling into being a pro or, you know, where, where'd you get that little steam run from? I think obviously losing my NHL contract after last season with Arizona and signing an American league deal. I think that was something that really stirred, stirred up my pot. And obviously my experience and maturity in the American league obviously is helping out too. Like you don't just jump in the league and, and be super sick at, at the position. I think I needed the time just like I did playing juniors and uh i've i've put in a lot of work over the summer and uh to fundamentals and just being simple and not trying to be so acrobatic all the time i think that's something that's really helped my game out and and obviously uh with the staff of my team having the having the confidence in me and and playing me and and uh i had a great team in front of me this year which is awesome to have and i'm really upset that we haven't had the chance to get back and hopefully finish uh, what we started, but um, my goalie coach Ryan Bach there is, is a phenomenal goalie coach, and and he, I think we've formed a really good relationship with each other and knowing each other and what what uh, is going to help me be at the most elite elite uh, part of my game and, and on, on a nightly basis, and then also with my um, my my mental coach uh, Kirk Kielik. He he also was huge into my my year this year. I uh, actually worked with him when I was at the program. He was our CrossFit our CrossFit guy. He just kind of helped us uh, obviously get into shape, but also the mental part of our game, throwing us uh, some pretty tough adversity uh, workouts that that we went through at the program. I'm sure any guy that's uh, been through any of his workouts know what I'm talking about, um, but. This year with 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 uh, Colorado, he's a completely different uh, mindset of how he works with us. We just do uh, focus focus on our our mental part of the game and how we prepare for games. and And I think uh, I think he was the biggest thing this year that helped me kind of realize how much uh, how much passion I have for the game and how I can use that to to drive my my game and using. The oh my gosh, my phone keeps going off. Um, the, Popular guy. <laughs> no, it's just <laughs> my family members. Um, th- using the confidence uh, in yourself going into the games and, and your preparation uh, is the biggest thing that that we focused on it and how how much that helps uh, play consistent. I heard a rumor here that you paint your own mask. Is that true? <laughs> I, I have painted a few of them, but not recently. Uh, my pin t- one of my. I think two of my Penticton masks and my Dubuque mask I did on my own. Obviously, my dad helped me a little bit, but I did the majority majority of those. But uh, f- from the last few years, I've left it to my dad to to do his to do his job. He's the best at it, and I I do enjoy it. But I don't think I have the patience to to sit down that long and and work on it. Uh, I I just enjoy that part of the year every year to sit down with my dad and and 
work on those. Obviously, since it's cancer, I really appreciate those little moments that, that we get together. So it's a lot more fun when, when he gets to do it. It means a lot more to me every single time uh, we get to do a new mask. Definitely. That's a pretty pretty cool father-son uh, father bond you got going on there. Yeah, no, it's it's nice. And I'm very, very lucky to to have that. Uh, I don't think there's any other pro pro guys out there that have their dad painting their masks. And I, I know for the both of us, it's uh, it's pretty awesome. We don't take it for granted. That's so cool because, like you said, it's a very – it's a one-off bond. Um, and he's done – like, you, growing up, he's always painted masks. I know as of recent, he's kind of dialed back and maybe we could say retired from painting. Yeah, yeah I'd say um, that. But uh, – what like what are some of the coolest masks that you get to see come in that he did? Oh man, uh, there's been a ton. He's done so many masks. I think he was averaging about sixty-five masks a year that he was doing, which is unbelievable. I can't That's even imagine. <laughs> I can't even imagine the stress that that went behind that. But uh, obviously, he's done some pretty top-notch guys. He did like guys Eddie Belfour, Evgeny Nabokov, Miko Kiprasov, Harding, Backstrom, uh, Jose Theodore for a year or two, uh, Scott Darling. Um, uh, I don't even know who else he's, he's got a lot of, uh, a lot of good guys that he, that he did. And I, I was lucky enough to be able to see those guys, uh, I mean, the summer and, and listen to their stories and how they, how they became to, to be the goalies that they were. And obviously the one that stuck out to me was Josh Harding. He actually had the, a very similar story to, to me and, and his was just a little bit different. His mom wanted him to play goalie but his dad didn't want him to play goalie and we actually both <laughs> we actually both started playing goalie the same exact year so he was kind of my he was he wasn't kind of he was my biggest inspiration uh growing up because once I heard that I I thought for sure I had a chance at this and that was a that was the biggest thing that that swayed me to to switch positions that's uh that's a pretty incredible resume that your dad had for painting for guys Eddie Belfour um, Evgeny, like, wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's pretty cool. And I, I, I don't think he really realized how, how cool it was until, uh, until he stopped doing them. I think he's, he's looks back and just really appreciates the, the stuff that he did with those guys and how awesome they were. And, and now that I'm playing pro hockey and we both look at each other all the time, just thinking some of the guys that he was painting, it's just pretty, pretty cool. For sure. For sure. Now, Hunter, obviously you're a part of one of the uh, the better leagues in in uh, men's league hockey throughout the summers. The beauty <laughs> league, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's a good league. Uh, it's a summer league back here in Minnesota that that we do in Edina. Uh, we, we play for... For a few uh, organizations, we, we play for co great causes, and uh, we start in, I think, usually end of June. I think we start, we do one game a week until uh, a week before, or two weeks before playoffs, and then we start doing two games a week, and uh, I think we get a, I don't know the exact number of professional guys that we get out there, but it's pretty darn good amount, and it's super fun to, to get together every week and, and play in front of a, a packed barn at uh, any Dinah, and it's obviously very tough for goaltenders to play in this league because it's just a bunch of pro guys playing pond hockey that love passing the puck <laughs> and, and love scoring goals. So, but it's also fun for us if if we can make some big time saves and it's, it's fun for me because I can get a little crazy and uh, make some some fun saves that I, that I really enjoy doing that that I don't do as much during the season. So, 
uh, and I, and the risk isn't, isn't, uh, as big. So <laughs> it's, it's, it's for sure a fun league. I was going to say, I've seen some pretty sweet highlight reel saves come out of that, that league. So it's gotta <laughs> be fun just being able to, you know, like you said, throw some two bad stacks and windmills and just have fun with it. So. Yeah, it's it's awesome, and I think the fans appreciate it too because they love seeing that kind of stuff. And and uh, you don't see it too much nowadays with goalies because it's it's so serious, and you need to make the saves as simple as you can. And I think that kind of is starting to get back into the game. I saw a lot of pad stacks this year, and, and some big wind windmill saves that that I think is awesome to be coming back into the game. That I felt kind of went out for a little bit. Yeah. Well, speaking of crazy saves, uh, I've seen the picture of you making that save with your bare hand. What's the backstory? <laughs> so we were in San Antonio and uh, I don't remember if it was on a power play or what it was or for their power play. And so the guy like went behind me through my crease and like my stick got caught on the post and like it just yanked my blocker off with it when he skated through and the puck was up at the point and then it went to the to the D-man on my right side and he just took a slap shot low blocker and I just kind of tucked my tucked my hand behind my pat or my bruiser and it hit me right above the wrist on the on the uh, chest protector I got very lucky and my rebound ended up going right on the guy's tape that was right on the right side of the post and I came across those splits and hit it with my with my hand which it was didn't feel good and then the rebound uh, ended up right behind me kind of so the guys was huge scramble uh, at the net and I just covered it with my bare hand and <laughs> tried to get out of there as quick as I could before some skates and sticks started falling on my yeah. hand so I got really lucky nothing serious happened but um, at the time I didn't really think much about it and then once people started posting about it I guess it kind of blew up from there did you beat the refs at all after that <laughs> not at all I just oh. didn't understand why they didn't blow the whistle but he, he told me that um if my helmet fell off, that was the only thing he could have blown the whistle at. So I guess I didn't really understand that, but I saw it happen a couple of times with some NHL goalies throughout the year and same thing happened with them. So it's kind of scary. Yeah. Yeah. I think that rule needs to get, you know, they got to take a look at that because imagine you do cover guy falls or steps back and you take a skate over the hand. That would be the time. Then they decide to change the rule, but you get guys putting, uh, putting body parts on the line there. That's, you know, that's a little risky. And the league yeah. doesn't want to see anything like that. So Yeah, no, exactly. But usually it takes something to happen before stuff changes. So who knows what happens there. Well, at least you're safe. That's all we care about. Exactly. <laughs> um, now, Hunter, we got a few fun ones here to wrap it up. Um, and the state fair, obviously, is a huge part of Minnesota. <laughs> What's your favorite part about that? Uh, the food, obviously. it's uh, There's a lot of great, uh, great snacks you can eat there and i i think the rides are super fun uh, too just checking those out but uh and then all the all the stands too um with all the cool di cool different stuff like i enjoy going to the to the barn seeing the farm animals and stuff and then i'm a huge fan of like cars and truck stuff too so uh all the dealers and, and brands show up all their their new uh the new rides for the year and it's fun to look at all that stuff all in one place and then uh, the the food is just phenomenal. If, if anybody ever gets a chance that if you're not from Minnesota or if you are and haven't been there, it's just a, I think it's one of the coolest events in the summer that you can go to and, and really get uh, a lot out of it. It's super fun. That's the staple of Minnesota right there. What now, what's your favorite food to get? Whew, uh, I don't know. There's a lot. I like, 
I like the corn dogs. I like the euros. The I usually end it with with the fresh uh, cookies at the end. I, I think that's kind. Of, I think that's kind of everybody's uh, the go to. I think that's the top one. But I also like the turkey leg too. It's super good. So if I had to pick one, I probably <laughs> probably go with the milk and cookies. God, they do it all at the Minnesota State Fair. I gotta go. Hey, it's God's country. <laughs> like like I said, <laughs> everything's in Minnesota. People chirp it, but once they come here, they can't get away. That's awesome. All right, our next one here is: Do you own a pair of chopper mittens? Uh, I don't like have them here. I guess I had them when I was younger at my parents' house, but I haven't needed them uh, since I left home from Duluth. I, but when I was at Duluth, I had them, but I kind of put them away and haven't seen them since. That's the uh, that's a Minnesota staple, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. I think a lot of you see a lot of high school coaches during during the hockey season have those things on on the bench. Uh, the rinks here are pretty dang cold, so and obviously outside. So you need those those bad boys. I've been to a couple of the county rinks in Minnesota. Outside, of, I usually always end up at the Schwan Rink for like the showcases and stuff. But man, when you go to those county rinks and it's blowing wind and you got six feet of snow outside, it's like the wind's ripping right through the building. Oh yeah, especially up where I'm at, uh, and and obviously more north. It's they basically use the outside temperature to keep the rink cold. So they, <laughs> I know I know a couple of rinks up by me, like Pine City and Mora. I, every time you like look up in the vents and stuff, you can see outside that they're wide open. And when it's like negative, like 23 degrees outside, and you're out there playing hockey, but and obviously as a young player, you play a lot of outdoor games too because the rinks are. There's so many hockey players in the state, and they need to find ice. So, and, and where I'm from too, we don't even have an ice rink in my hometown. So, they're still working on that. Not not really sure why they haven't uh, had one built yet, but uh, I think they're working on it. And uh, but when I was younger, I remember skating outside quite a bit. Absolutely. Um, so, we're gonna wrap up here. Um, Hunter, I just want to say thank you for taking the time to chat with us. We learned a lot about your story and how you were able to go from playing goalie at 14 all the way to the program and playing right into the show. Um, thank you for the time. We want to wish you the best of luck as when I'm, whenever this all kind of blows over and gets figured out. Uh, we can't wait to watch and see what happens. Thank you for the time. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate you guys having me on here. Yeah, thanks for popping on. No problem. And that's our interview with Hunter Miska. Um, famous for the T7000 glove that he refuses to get out of. And he's got great style too, huh? Yeah, he's got a sick pair of pads coming out too, I believe. And, yeah, well, we were in production. He has them right now. He's got a set of the mountain ranges, and then we had another one going. But um, we're going to have to hold our breath and see what happens as he moves forward uh, and where he ends up. But that'll be exciting, man. So everybody else, Listeners, remember to like, follow, share, and uh, subscribe and rate and do all that stuff so we can keep the pod going. Kyle, you got any final thoughts? Uh, I believe this week we should be dropping the t-shirt contest, so get excited. Should we do like a t-shirt time, Jersey Shore type thing? A what? Never mind, you're too young for Jersey Shore. And that's all, folks, from Between Two Posts. (laughs) 